it actually makes me feel old. <laughs> well, anyway, my son, who is, how old is my son? 42. Uh, we had my son young. We were 21. And um, he is one of the greatest gifts in our lives. And he is amazingly anointed. He is a um, writer as well as a composer. Uh, if you may not realize it or not, he has music that is transversing all of Europe. And, um, you know, God's blessed him, he and his wife and his two boys, and blessed us, of course. But um, he and his wife just put out volume one of a uh, devotional book that, now I've read most, you know, or quite a few of the devotional books out there some of the uh, older gents and ladies like A.W. Tozer and different ones and Andrew Murray and you know I just I just love how they compile you know different thoughts and themes in a book so that every night or in first thing in the morning you get up you read and you're inspired well my son has put out volume one volume two is coming out I believe the summer, shelter from the storm, resting in the promises of God. And um, I know this is a biased statement, but this is a dynamic <laughs> devotional. It really is. And, um, you know, if it's, you know, as good you know, as it is, this first volume, the next one is just going to be dynamic. So he's working on it right now, he and his wife, both of them. And they have a, a tremendous testimony in and of themselves apart from their parents. And so um, it would just, you know, bless you. And uh, they also have another booklet out there entitled Eight Weeks with No Water. And that's our grandson... Uh, Christian, who she um, basically, what month, Joy? How, what? Weeks or months? Months. Four and a half months, she lost all of the ambionic fluid at four and a half months. And so for the next four and a half months. <laughs> she, she had to lay on her left side and the baby had no water. And um, they, the doctors said that if he does live, he will, uh, of course, be retarded, have all kinds of deformities. And, I mean, can you imagine that, moms? Four and a half months laid with no protection. And of course, he came out perfectly normal. And, you know, 
So you need to get their devotional because they've been, who, who would like to, I, it, it's, you know, even though I have signed it, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, she got first right there in the back. Come here, bless you. You got to promise me you'll read it. Okay, you'll be blessed. And uh, there's other material there, you know, whatever. You know, you, you know the gig when it comes to books and, and materials. We do have a website, many of you know that. Feel free to um, go to our website, doveontherise.com, and uh, you can download all our books. That's what seemingly people are wanting to do nowadays, just download everything, you know. And um, it's fine, and MP3s, and very soon here, I'm going to start a video blog where twice a month I'll, you know, say hi and smile at everybody and teach for about 20 or 30 minutes, and then two weeks later, another 20 or 30 minutes. So we're going to start that, the video aspect of our ministry, and... Uh, Somewhere along the line, we're going to start like a, sort of a school online with themes and, you know, so that, because really there's people in developing nations that are demanding it. And so uh, we're going to make that available. I have two wonderful associates, and uh, they're here. And I want them to greet you, and I'm going to have Robert Ward greet you for just a few moments this, this evening and tomorrow morning, Brandon Collins. Welcome, Robert! All right, good evening. I um, actually, let's see. So, I got married in September. It's actually um, going to be six months tomorrow that I've been married. And uh, James and Joy were there. He was, uh, he actually officiated the wedding. So, I was so grateful for them to come out there. Um, I think I've been on probably 10 trips since I've been married. And... Uh, after we went on our honeymoon in September, we went to England, and um, I was sitting there next to him. We were in East England, and he's, he told me, he said, you're here, but you're not really here. <laughs> he said, you're thinking about your wife. So, uh, but she, she graciously lets me go, and, and uh, it's been a tremendous blessing to be here with you guys. The hotel's wonderful. Mary and, and your husband, Jim, thanks so much for your hospitality. Uh, we, we have some fun things that happened to us on some trips. We were uh, in Germany in November. I'll tell a different one. And uh, me and another associate, his name is uh, also Robert, but he's called Rob. We got there before him. And, uh, you know, they checked us in the rooms, and, and we, we were just uh, waiting for him to come. So I heard him come in, because the hallway, you could basically hear, you could hear everything in the hallway. And, uh, you know, so I, I realize he's there, and I come just to say hi to him and greet him, and he opens up the door. And, you know, in, in England, it seems like some things, I mean, we love going, we love going to Europe, but things are just a little bit smaller than America. 
and we we looked at his bed. And Dr. Maloney's he's he's like six six, I believe, or six five around there. And his bed was like five feet long. <laughs> and I looked at this, I looked at his room and I thought, they must have put you in my room, because I had the corner room and it seemed like the room was much bigger. And I I was I was I was trying to suggest to him, you know, we should switch rooms, but he he was gracious enough and he just um he, he stayed in that room that, that time. I want to let you know that the hotel beds here are much larger, so I don't think his feet are hanging off. Um, but uh, we, we, we hope that um, your relationship with the Lord is strengthened and deepened through these meetings. And we know that, that Jesus said in John 14, 9, he who has seen me has seen the Father. And any um, evident token you receive from the Lord, any miracle, any deliverance, any, any impartation that you receive, we, we, uh, we hope that your relationship is deepened in that and that our Father is glorified in what happens in these meetings. And I just want to mention um, just really quickly uh, in, in uh, James chapter 5, the prayer of faith um, is basically, you know, uh, harmonizing of wills, hearts, and, um, you know, just having one mind and one accord for the will of God. And turning our faith toward God, believing His will and His promises and His word. And so, if you're here to uh, receive a healing, a miracle, uh, uh, just any sort of deliverance. I want us just to be in one heart, one mind, harmonizing, blending our hearts together for his will, for your neighbor, for yourself, that we could see a greater demonstration of his heart and the works of Jesus through us as individuals be shown on the earth that our Father in heaven would be glorified. So can we do that tonight? Okay, let's welcome Dr. James back up. It's All right, thanks. He, uh, <clears throat> thank you. He forgot to tell you that that bed I was laying on, it was in a room, and I just had three feet between the edge of the bed and the wall. That's how narrow the room was, just three feet. And so the bathroom was just kind of, they cut out a little square. This was in Germany, and cut out a little square there. And so I, I, I really did. I actually would turn over, and I, I like to swing my arms out, and I actually hit the wall. <laughs> I'm serious. That's how narrow the room was. That was the room. That was the room. Here was the bed, three feet. That's why they laughed. And they just, they had just a sweet, man. Compared to where I was, he was generous to offer his beautiful room that he could put his feet up and rob and all, but I suffered for Jesus, you know, and roughed it, as I'm roughing it for Jesus now, you know, in Columbus, Ohio. It's a beautiful day, amen? It's great to have you here tonight. Um, Okay, um, <clears throat> I told you I wanted to be brief because we're going to enter into ministry. And, and I reserve, is it all right with you that at any time the Holy Spirit just says, 
be quiet, go for it. Is that okay? Can I do it? All right. I know you hear outstanding teaching and preaching here in this church, so, you know, I'm just another voice. And last month, you had Bobby. Is that correct? Well, that tells me there's not much money left. (laughs) I'm teasing. Anyway, I love Bobby. He's He's a, we've been on several conferences together. He's just a trip. You know, he gets up and he shares his stories, which are just wild beyond, you know. And, and, you know, there's like a thousand people. Okay, this happened. We were in Seattle together. And he, he gets up for an hour and he shares these stories. And he, you know how he is. He's just a big teddy bear. He's got everybody on the edge of their seat, you know. And this is a prophetic healing conference. And then he's just got them eaten out of his hand. And then he just stops and says, God bless you all. (laughs) And then I was the next speaker the next morning. So I had 700 people that expected a word. I started at 10 and finished at a quarter to four. So afterwards, you know, I said, thanks, Bobby. You share an hour and then leave the work up to me. He said, well, of course. <laughs> That's the way it works, doesn't it? You know, he's a great guy. I just, just, I'm endeared to him, and I know you are as well, and he's just precious. Um, but he made me work, so that's okay. And I'm sure his offering was larger than mine, even though I did all the work. It's like I was ministering with Benny Hinn. You know who Benny Hinn is? All right. And so, you know, bless Benny Hinn. You know, I I don't know what happened. He just, he got up and shared and, you know, waved his coat left and right. And then I had to minister the next morning and the next evening. And there was 15, 2,000 people that needed healing and ministry. And I spent most of that day ministering to the people and one of my associates, John, and my offering, they handed it to me. And it was $1,500, okay? Now it's, you know, but Benny Hinn's offering, 250000 Hello. <laughs> I don't get it. Bless Benny. It's got absolutely no, no reflection on Benny at all. It just I go, Lord. I don't get it. I don't understand it. It was good to get that off my chest. I feel so much better sharing that. But I do appreciate each and every one of you and your the hospitality and your attentiveness and just you're here tonight. Thank you so much. Um, Psalm, I'm, I'm going to go, strangely, I'm going to Psalm 106. You don't have to turn there. It's just very, very brief. And um, um, the psalmist, David, is recounting the great intervention 
that God wrought for the children of Israel in the wilderness, you know, the struggle and the 40 years of wandering and how that in the midst of great difficulty, if there was no water, you know, water gushed out of the rock, et cetera, et cetera, and God provided. And the whole uh, thought contextually in this psalm is basically this. No matter how much God did for them, it was never enough. And they constantly complained. Can anybody relate to that? Are any of you human? Are you breathing? Can you relate to it? Okay, we've all been there. And uh, they would, you know, God would provide and God would intervene, and then that wasn't enough. Then they begin to murmur and complain. And it's interesting what this says. And uh, just listen to it, and then this will all make sense. Uh, someone interpret that tongue, please. There we go. Okay. I love children. Listen, don't, children don't bother me at all, okay? I love these evangelists that, you know, the Holy Spirit can't move if there's children crying. Oh, give me a break. Just, just go with me to India. We'll get rid of that prima donna spirit. <laughs> They're right there. And if they have to go to the bathroom, you know what they do? They dig a hole right there. And you're preaching and ministering to people, and the little children are doing their thing there, and then they, you know, it's just, somehow God just moves, you know, I think he understands, right? Anyway, in verse 13 of Psalm 106, again, you don't have to turn to it, because my real key text is in Acts 5, God worked, he did tremendous miracles, and then when, you know, he uh, worked on their behalf, then they believed his words and sang, you know, their praise unto him. But then almost seemingly immediately or soon after, they soon forgot his works. And they didn't wait on his wisdom, counsel, hearing through Moses, you know, how that they were supposed to express their life to the Father. But they lusted, it says in verse 14, exceedingly in the wilderness, you've all read this, and tempted God in the desert. Oh, is this PowerPoint time? Oh, thank God I got the right verses of Scripture. <laughs> and, you know... It's in the context, you know, we're, we're tired of just eating manna, all right? Manna, manna, manna. Okay, you know, you have to understand, if you do, uh, it's called an etymod, etymod, see, I'm sorry, I have words that I used to be able to pronounce, but because of my funkiness, I can't pronounce those words anymore, so forget that word. <laughs> There's a certain way of studying that brings out uh, the depth of what really happened when the manna came down, okay? So basically, you know, when the manna came down, you know, I have tasted manna supernaturally. It has appeared and tasted it, and it's 
is wonderful. But for them, and many theologians will agree to this, that if you are hungry for pizza, when you took the manna, it tasted like Pizza Hut, supreme, <laughs> with extra cheese. Or chicken, fried chicken, whatever. Whatever that they were longing for, it became in their mouth and tasted. Now, that's somewhat speculative, but yet there is a certain leaning scripturally in that thought, if you study out that word I can't pronounce anymore. But you know what? That wasn't enough. They, okay, we're tired of just this manna. We want flesh to eat. You know the story. And so they wanted flesh to eat. And so then the quail, think about this, just the quail just began to just fall. God gave them what they asked for. But boy, was there a price. And it says this, even though God answered them and gave them what they requested, it created what the Bible calls a leanness of soul. Everybody say that. Leanness of soul. Say it one more time. Leanness of, of one's soul. What is that saying to you and I? There's a lot of precious believers that their view of their relationship with God is everything that Christ has provided for me, and this is tremendous truth, you know, through his death and the shedding of his blood, you know, I can appropriate, and understandably, it's scriptural and it's powerful. But it's like they never seemingly get past those, hear what I'm saying, bread issues of life. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by, don't put it up on the PowerPoints because I may have misquoted that. <laughs> Let's see if I misquoted it. Let's see. Uh, hurry up here. Uh, Matthew 4, 4. Oh, I, I, I was correct. Woo, everybody, you. <laughs> I'm amazed. <laughs> Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that is proceeding out of the mouth of God. And I call it bread issues of life. God, you've got to do this for me and that for me. I need this. I need that. I long. You promised it. I claim it. And their whole life is about, and I'm not minimizing the importance of asking. You have not because you don't ask. But what I'm trying to say is there's something in our lives that we've got to just sort of get beyond the bread issues. You know, the Bible does teach, and I would quote this verse, but I'm almost 100% sure that I'm incorrect if I quote it. I think it's around Luke 6. Don't put it up there. <laughs> that Jesus taught about the true riches. Everybody say it with me. True riches. 
you know, long for, press for, desire for the true riches in life. And that's, you know, what's lasting for all eternity. You know, yielding our lives and becoming Christ-like and everything that we do in this earth. Yes, it's to see our needs met and our family needs, etc., but to serve and to give and, and to have something. You know, store up treasures in heaven where they cannot be stolen, you see. And you know this, and you've been taught these things, but, you know, as a whole, seemingly in the body of Christ, it just seems that in all of our praising and worshiping and teaching, and really, to be real frank with you, a lot of the teaching behind the pulpits today is nothing more than life coaching. how to feel better, how to, you know, make it. And, or, you know, again, there's a place for that, but it's just like, yet people are starving. They're hungry. They're thirsty. They're not encountering as they should the God who is a spirit. And if you're going to worship him, you must what? Worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. It's we're trying to reach God soulishly to a God who is a spirit, all right? We're trying to reach people and change their lives from our soulish power and trying to reach their spirits. It should be an enlargement in our heart, and we reach people from experiential knowledge spirit to spirit and it touches them in the very quick of the center of everything that moves them and drives them and and you know it just seems that as i travel uh there is a lot of precious people that are experiencing a leanness of soul and you know what when we are satisfied, how do I word it? I, I don't know about you. I, aren't you tired? I know you are. I'm tired of partial healings, partial breakthroughs. It's what I call the almost experience. I almost got healed. I almost stayed saved. I almost got delivered. Thou almost persuaded me to be a Christian, King Agrippa said. Well, you know, that isn't going to cut it. You know, there needs to be an all-together, fuller, fuller experience in God. I have gone through seasons in my life where I've experienced leanness, a soul. I know you have experienced that as well. I want to say this, if people just, precious, wonderful people in the church world as a whole, we can't just be satisfied with his partial presence. I want more of him. How about you? Because you know what? 
Having a limited presence can produce or not produce results, limited results. And there's just something deeper. There's something fuller. There's something that we are going to have to, again, get beyond the bread issues. I, uh, I've not had too many dreams in my life. And the reason why is because they're just goofy. And, you know, I love these dream interpreters. You know, I, I would just mess with them. I mean, no, really, my dreams, if I shared some of my dreams, they would probably, you know, lose it. I, I don't know. I, you know, I love them. You know, I love them because, you know, they, they say, Dr. Mullen, every one of your dreams should be interpreted. No. Oh, Lord, have mercy. So the Lord knows, and I appreciate dream interpreters. And I've interpreted people's dreams on occasion, but, you know, I just... I love these people, but I can't do anything. I can't move. I can't, you know, unless I get a dream from God. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You know, and so God knows me that if I ever have a dream, I, I you know, I, I, what this color means and horses means this and cattle mean that and, you know, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I pretty much, if I have a dream from God, it's been rare. It's straightforward. You know, didn't need any interpretation is what I'm trying to say. And not too long ago, I had one. And um, you may have read this in my book. I um, wonderfully was walking between a wall and a congregation of about 300 precious men and women of God just like you. And there was a person in front of me that was leading me up to the front. And as I um, came in from the back door, I noticed that I had to go up a flight of steps, very tall steps. And outside where the sun was shining, there was just a lot of people sitting, laying on the steps, asking for healing. And, I mean, they were cripples, they were sick, they were infirm, just dozens. And I just, my heart was just broken because, you know, here was a group of approximately 300 people that they were there for the purpose of in need of healing or an encounter with God. And they were predominantly God's people. The people out there on the steps were unsaved people, predominantly. And so this person, which I found out was an angel, led me to the front. Well, there was this uh, large curtain, and it was beautiful, ornate curtain. And uh, I remember seeing... A woman in a wheelchair, I believe it was. No, uh, a gentleman was in a wheelchair, and the woman was in a, on a, one of those walkers, you know. And then there was a, another gentleman with a cane. He was twisted foot, this, and there's several people. And uh, they were there. And all of a sudden, I noticed that there were two angels. And they opened up the curtains. 
And when they opened up the curtains, this wave of the most intense presence just filled the area where the 300 people were seated. And you could just see them just, oh, I'm basking. Oh, and it was amazing. But the angels kept it open. And all of a sudden, they begin to motion. Come on in. Come on into the very holy of holies. It's been rent. You can come into the full, fuller experience. But the people were happy just partaking in that measure. It was wonderful where they were seated, except the cripples that were near the tent. Now, everybody was in need of healing and a miracle. So these precious people, the man in the wheelchair, he didn't wait. This angel's motioning. He wills himself into that incredible setting. The walker lady, the crutch, there was a person with crutches and a cane and several other people. They went in there. So <clears throat> the angel looked at me and I thought, you know, whoa, I'm, I'm going for it. I'm going in there, you know. Now everybody's basking in a measure of God's presence seated out there. And I'm not going to take the hour it would tell you what I encountered and experienced. I know you like to know. The setting, the aroma, the music, being caught up. It was one of the most dynamic experiences spiritually in my life in this dream, this night vision. And the angels looked kind of disappointed that there was only about a half a dozen plus myself that went in there, so they shut the curtain. And we just had a great time. All of a sudden, I stepped out. They were still in there. And all of a sudden, as the curtain, as I stepped out, and they were being open so I could get out, and then this wave hit the people again. Oh, okay, well, you know. The wheelchair was just rolling on its own out. All of a sudden, you saw the crutches fly. The walker went flying. And everybody that was in that most holy of holies place were healed. No one else was healed. And the angel took me to the outside and walked me past everyone and opened up the door where all of these sick and afflicted, unsaved sinner people were. And he said, minister to them. And they were all healed. Now, I know that's a sobering dream. It was for me. And it brought tremendous conviction in my life. No condemnation, but tremendous conviction. But that's basically where I think we're at. Is that we've had measures, and there's so much more. And 
you know, it's just seemingly that we're satisfied. I'm speaking to myself with just measures of this or that in God. And what it does is it creates, once again, a leanness of soul. And leanness of soul creates an unbelief. Because the children of Israel walked in that unbelief. And leanness of soul creates what I call a vexation, soulishly. I mean, how many know we live in a, we, we live in a fallen society where we got to wrestle with everything, you know, soulishly and in this, you know, earthly realm. How many know it can mentally and emotionally become incredibly taxing? Oh, I don't have to tell you that it's trying. It says of Lot, that his soul was vexed by the deeds of men in Sodom and Gomorrah. And the word vexed there means to be tormented by lots of little things continuously. Just being uh, in this setting of, um, you know, just issues here and there in the world system. And how many know it's vexing? It's, it has become incredibly vexing. People really are no, not so much immoral now. They are immoral. At least in the 1940s and 50s, most people, let's say in America, believed in God. Now, there's no God, really. Or they're in inclusivism. Well, you know, there's many ways to a God. I mean, a moral means, you know, immoral people is this. I know that there's a standard, but I don't want to live in those values. And a moral generation says, what values are you talking about? It's just they're rel- that's relative. So what do we have? We have our nation removed the Ten Commandments, you see. And it's vexing. Am I correct, Christian? Just go to Walmart and see, I mean, no, Walmart. See how vexing it can be. We could go on. Yay, come on, everybody. There is an answer. Grow hope. Hallelujah. You've been vexed by a lot of little things. There is an oasis in this spiritual desert. And it's a life-giving presence that we can bask in, that washes away all the toxic effect of modern life. It has everything that needs manifest presence. Starts with people like you and I that are saying, Lord, I'm not going to be like those 300. I'm going to get in. Because that's where the miracles were happening. You know, unsaved people out there in the world, how many know they don't know any different? They're deceived. They're unsaved. They were deceived. They're bound. So, of course, God people of God that have walked with the Lord 
for some length of period of time, you know what? Do you think that maybe God expects a little bit more from you and I? You know, I just want to encourage you here, uh, and this will end up being an encouragement.